Let's pray together. God, we want to open your word today and we want to allow it to speak into our lives. And we pray that you'll help us to do that. Help us to hear your word for us this morning. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the unique things about the life of being a minister is that you're sort of up close and personal in some important times in people's lives, times like weddings and funerals. And that can be really interesting, okay? But what you do notice how those kinds of things change over the years because you're right there in the middle of it. And one of the things that I've noticed in my years of ministry is that the whole wedding experience has changed a good bit. And in fact, now the the wedding ceremony itself is much less important and the reception has become like the signature part of the whole experience. So the wedding has become in many ways almost an afterthought and maybe just the thing you do so everybody can get to dinner, right? To get to the party. Now, I'm not the wedding police, so I'm not here to tell you whether that's right or wrong. I've just seen it happen over the past few years. And I think it's symptomatic of something that's larger, something else that's going on in our culture. And that's that we have tended to de-emphasize the formal, de-emphasize ceremony and emphasize sort of the, the things that come more naturally and the things that are maybe celebrations. I think that's true across our culture and certainly with anything to do with our religion. And so lots of people would say, you know what, I've been to lots of long, boring worship services that had nothing to do with my real life. And I went because somebody made me. Or I went because somebody made me feel guilty if I didn't go. And people get tired of that. And it it just becomes really a formality, a lot like a wedding ceremony, right? People will say, well, the preacher could just say, I do, you do, we all do, and you're married, and sign the paper, and then it's time for the party, right? And it feels a little bit like that with church at times. Well, why do we do that? And is going through the motions really of any value? And the truth is, it's not of much value. The truth is, God never called us to an outward show of religion that had nothing to do with where we are on the inside. In fact, that is precisely one of the things that we read in Scripture that God did not want from us. An outward show of religion that had nothing to do with where our hearts are. And so we have de-emphasized the outward, de-emphasized this physical part of our Christian life, and we have emphasized what's going on inside. So much that our faith has become almost entirely internal. Now there's some advantage to that, right? Because if everything I do that has to do with my following Jesus Christ is is on the inside, then guess what? I can't fake it, can I? Because I can't fool myself. I might try, but I can't fool myself. And we certainly can't fool God. And so sort of doing something outwardly doesn't fool God, right? He knows exactly where we are on the inside. But there's a downside. We have to ask ourselves, okay, if my faith is completely internal, then I'm giving up the things that I do. 
And is that okay with God? Does that square with what Scripture actually says about how we're called to be followers of Jesus Christ? Because, you know, I can make up a faith that sort of fits what I want, what I like, what I'd like to do, what makes me comfortable, what makes me happy. I can make up my own faith, but what we're called to do is submit ourselves to what God has called us to do. And so we have to ask ourselves, okay, okay, am I following God's instructions about faith? Am I following what God has called me to do? Now, here's an example, and this is the one I want us to spend some time talking about today. What about baptism? I mean, in some ways, it's a little bit like the wedding ceremony, right? It's just this outward thing, and, and is it really that important? Does it matter that much? I mean, people might say it's a nice symbol of something that Jesus did. It's a neat thing for kids to do. It shows that they love Jesus now, and it brings them into the church, and that's awesome, but is it really something that's that important? It just seems like another one of those outward formality, ceremonial things that we do just because, well, because somebody said we had to. Or is there more? What I'd like to do today is take a few minutes allowing God's Word to speak to this. What did the early Christians have to say about it? And to do that, I'd like to turn to one passage. Scripture speaks to baptism in many different places in the New Testament. But I'd like us to turn to Romans chapter 6. Now, if you know much about the book of Romans, what you know is it's Paul's letter to the Christians in the capital city of Rome. And it is dense, right? There is a lot there. It is not easy to understand. Paul covers a lot of topics. And he does it in a way where he says some really important things. But you have to dig a little to get there. And this is one of those places where you have to do some of that, but I think it's worthwhile to really understand this important part of our Christian life. So we're going to be in Romans 6 and Romans 5 to give context. Paul is sort of laying out some important things about the grace of God. Well, that matters, doesn't it? That's internal. That's about forgiveness. That's about me and God, right? And he's saying things like, listen, God's grace is is endless. So whatever our sin is, it can be forgiven. That's good news. The good news is, whatever your sin is, God is prepared to forgive that sin. As bad as you might feel about it, and as much as you might think it doesn't deserve forgiveness, and truly it doesn't, God is ready to forgive anyway. And, God, and Paul is saying, listen, you, you've got a choice. And he's sort of saying you can, you can live in one kingdom or another kingdom. And we can choose to live in a kingdom of sin and death where we choose to do what God has called us not to do. Where we choose to live a life that's completely devoted to what I want, what makes me happy, what fulfills my desires, and is unconcerned about what God has called me to be and to do and what would be best for the people around me. And that ultimately leads to death because we can never satisfy ourselves enough. And it leads to emptiness and brokenness. We can choose to live in that kingdom or we've been invited to live in a different kingdom. The kingdom that comes because of Jesus. The kingdom of grace and life. And because of God's endless grace, 
We are invited into this new kingdom because the power of sin has been defeated and we can spend eternity praising God. And Paul's saying, listen, which kingdom do you want to live in? Which sounds better to you? Where do you want to spend the rest of your life? Pursuing sin and death or grace and life? And then at the beginning of chapter 6, he continues that discussion, but he brings baptism in to help us understand both the choice between these two kingdoms and the meaning of baptism. So he begins in verses 1 and 2 with these words. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? And I've chosen the New Revised Standard today because the, the NIV, which I normally preach from, makes a good point, and I think it's the one that comes to our minds in a way. He says, shall we go on sinning? Shall we just, you know, if grace is endless, right, why don't we just keep on sinning and God will just keep forgiving. In fact, it'll be great because there'll be even more grace because of my sin. And Paul says, absolutely not. That's part of what's going on. But a more literal translation from Paul's original Greek is what you read on the screen. Should we continue in sin? How can we who died to sin go on living in it? It's about do we keep sinning, but it's actually about something even bigger than that. It's about geography, spiritual geography. Which kingdom do you want to live in? Do you want to be in sin? Do you want to keep living in sin? Paul says, which kingdom do you choose to live in? Do you want to live in a life that is just devoted to and whatever makes me happy? I don't care if it's right or wrong. I don't care if I'm ignoring what God wants from me. I don't care if I'm ignoring what God created me to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. Am I going to live in that kingdom? Which, of course, would then lead me to just go on sinning. Paul says, why would you want that? Why would you want to just choose that life when Jesus has offered us so much more. Why would you live in sin and death when you have been offered grace and life? This is where he brings baptism in verse 3. Do you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now what's Paul saying there? This powerful symbol that we have, baptism, it's an act that we choose to submit to. Part says, Paul says part of the meaning there is death. And maybe our reaction is, well, that doesn't sound like any fun, right? We're not really excited about something that involves death. Paul says when we choose to be baptized into Christ... And notice how we say that, into. Again, we're changing kingdoms. When we are baptized into Christ, we are choosing to allow part of who we are to die. We are choosing to allow the, the part of ourselves 
that we have struggled to change. Maybe the part of ourselves that we like the very least because we know it is filled with sin and death. We are choosing to allow that part of ourselves to die. Because you see, when Jesus went to the cross and Jesus himself died, and he took our sin with him. And so we are, in many ways, reenacting, participating in Jesus' death where he carried our sin, and we're saying, you know what? I, I don't want this. I don't want to live the rest of my life ruled by my sin and the consequences of that sin, death. I want something more. I want to be the person that God created me to be. And I know living in sin and death is not what God called me to do and to be. I want something more. And Jesus has offered us that something more. Because He died on the cross. And we follow Him in that death. And we leave our sin behind. We leave the power of that sin behind as well. Verse 4. Therefore, we have been buried with him in baptism. And we get that. We go down into the water. It is a, a burial in a way. We have been buried with him by baptism into death. So we're buried into that death. But that's not the end, right? So that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So we die. But you know, when Jesus died with my sin, he didn't stay dead, did he? He was raised. The, the stone was rolled away. And there was life. And the same is true for us. In baptism, we say, you know what? Part of me I want to leave behind. The part of me that is ruled by sin and is headed for death, I want to leave that behind, so I'm going to allow it to die, but that's not the end of me. There is life, and we are raised up to live in a kingdom of grace and life. To look forward to something better. And in many ways, it is a precursor. It's looking forward to the resurrection that will come when Jesus returns. We're participating in what has already happened in Jesus' death, and we're participating in what will happen in our own resurrection when Jesus returns. We're looking back and we're looking forward because we're looking back to the day when we were controlled by sin and death, and we're looking forward to a time when we'll live in grace and life. And all that is wrapped up in baptism. So something real and important happens when we choose to be baptized. It's not just sort of a formality that you go through, a little ceremony that's nice. Isn't it cute? The kids are being baptized. It means something. Verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed. And we might no longer be enslaved to sin. What controls you? That's what Paul's getting at. What controls you? Which kingdom do you live in? You're going to be ruled by one or the other. And we give ourselves up 
in baptism. Verse 8, but if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We are looking forward to what will be. Something real has happened. So I would say it this way. If we think about baptism, what does it mean? Baptism begins new life. Baptism begins new life. We are ushered into something dramatically new. We are brought into a new kingdom when we choose to be baptized. So, okay, I hear what you're saying, but my guess is there's some questions that might come as we talk about baptism and think about what I'm saying in bringing new life. Some people might say, well, are you saying that the, that the water is somehow magic, like that special water, and if you go down in that water, you're going you're gonna to be good with God just because you did that? I mean, does somebody bless that water, something put in that water? Well, no. No, that water's just H2O like all other water on the face of the earth. And we empty it out and clean it and put more water in. It's the same old kind of water, just water. And there's nothing magical about that water. There's nothing special about that water. And that water does absolutely nothing for you. But the power of God changes us. And baptism is one of the ways that God has chosen to transform us. And you know, the truth is, we can be baptized and it'd be completely meaningless. We can be baptized in sort of an outward, formal way. I could go through the motions. Somebody says we should do it. Somebody made me feel guilty, just like coming to church. And, and if there is no faith in Jesus Christ involved, I mean, if we don't really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and we don't understand that well, this is a powerful experience that brings us in contact with the grace of God, I mean, it's... It's just a bath with your clothes on. I mean, there's nothing to it then. But when we go to the baptistry, having faith in Jesus Christ, knowing that He is God's Son and that He offers us forgiveness and new life in the kingdom of grace and life, that's a powerful moment that ushers us into something new. Now, the truth is, when I was baptized as, as a kid, I knew a lot of that, but there was a whole lot I didn't know. And I've learned a lot about baptism since then, and that's okay. We don't know everything about baptism. We don't know everything about Jesus the moment we're baptized. It's the beginning point. It's when we move from the kingdom of sin and death to the kingdom of grace and life. And we'll learn a lot more, and that's the way it should be. And we'll understand a lot more. Maybe the next question is, do I have to be baptized? I guess I would rephrase that question. Maybe think about it in a, in a different way. I get that it's a sort of a strange experience. I mean, when else in our lives do we go in front of a big group of people and change clothes and get all wet and then go out and get dressed again and come down with wet hair. I mean, that just seems like an odd experience, and it is. And it keeps some people from wanting to do it. 
But here's how I'd rephrase that question. If God says, this is a moment in which I usher you from the kingdom of sin and death to the kingdom of grace and life, this is a moment when you come in contact with the death of Jesus and your own resurrection for eternity. Do you really want to miss out on that? Do you, do you really want to avoid that? And why? If Jesus did it, the apostles, when people came to faith in Jesus Christ, encouraged people to do it. Why would we choose not to? And why would we choose to do the very least for the one who's given us the most? That's how I would think about that question. And then finally, this is a question I love for people to ask. How do I get baptized? Well, we're ready. The water's warm. There's clothes up there. We'd baptize you today. We'd be glad to baptize you today. Love to talk with you about that. We can do it at the end of the service. We can do it between services. We can do it this afternoon. We can baptize you most anytime. And it can be in a church service or it can be in a more private setting. Either one's fine. Just give us a minute to get it warm, okay? That's all I ask, okay? But it is warm now. You know, all you got to be ready to do is confess your faith in Jesus Christ. To say, I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that's, that's the requirement. There's no test you got to pass. We're not going to quiz you. or We're not going to ask you to confess your most horrible and awful sin. You're just going to say, I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we will bury you in baptism and raise you up to new life. And we love to see that happen. And we would celebrate that if you haven't been baptized. You know, as your pastor, I would love to see you experience this if you haven't. I would love to see you baptized into Jesus Christ. And if you've made that decision, we'd love to do it today. But if you have some questions and want to talk about it, that's great too. You know, we always want to make sure if people have questions, those questions are answered. And so if you want to talk about it, a lot of people email me. Maybe that's easier. That's okay too. Whether it's a call or email or in person, if you need some questions answered before you're baptized, feel free to do that. You can do that with me. Any of our other ministers would be very happy to talk with you about what baptism is all about and how it happens. And we would celebrate with you and your family when you make that decision. But the key is for us today, Baptism begins new life, and God is calling you to that new life. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for Jesus, that he went first, that his death was very real, and his body was put in the tomb, and that he was raised to new life, and in that, he offers us something new. 
And God, we're thankful that we can be ushered from the kingdom of sin and death to the kingdom of grace and life. We give thanks for that. We celebrate it. And that's why we worship you. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you've made the decision you want to be baptized into Christ, let us know. Come forward as we sing our invitation. Let's stand together.